Okay, good morning, Faith Fellowship. Hey, so um, if you have your Bible, be turning to uh, chapter. We're going to try to finish up and looking at uh, over the last several weeks. We're still dealing with Paul and his team now in, uh, in Ephesus. There's kind of a, he's wanting to get to uh, Macedonia, Achaia. But before, I think this is where we see that uh, he mentions that he runs into some beat, so to speak. This kind of find himself in is uh, quite interesting. Our uh, key things that we have from last week, we were talking about really that, you know, we want to see power on display in our own lives in particular, the things that I I know that is the thing that, uh, that, that will keep us, that will encourage us, will comfort us, is that we have to see power from God in our lives. And uh, remember, we had mentioned, we said that preaching is powerful, that I have to open my mouth in order to be able to see that take place. Or else what can happen is I can just be kind of lulled to sleep by the difficulties of life and whatever else is happening I really need to always interject a wedge into um, the world's influence on my life. I got to preach the word. Miracles in our life are powerful. We saw that. We know that is true. And the greatest miracle that we've experienced absolutely is the one where now we have salvation in Jesus Christ. We couldn't have given ourselves that any other way. And we saw really this kind of counterfeiting that tried to take place with the you know, wandering Jews that thought, well, I've seen Paul do it. Maybe I should try my hand at <laughs> trying to get rid of a, a, a evil spirit. It didn't work out so well, right? You can't counterfeit God's power. And the only way that you're going to see that is you got to have his power, right? So we know that absolutely, I really, my kind of entry to seeing his power is I got to be saved first. And then defeating the enemy is powerful. Guys, listen, you have the strength within you to do that. So you really want the Lord as an advocate for you to do that for you. We saw that really in those few verses there that that's absolutely what took place. And so now we find ourselves in a different situation. And uh, if you would, let's pick it up in 21. And it says that as we ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. In the same time, there arose no small stir about that way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of all like occupations, said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. So that not only this, our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her 
magnificence should be destroyed whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these things, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius, because men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the Paul uh, would have entered in unto the people. The disciples suffered him not, and certain of the chief of them, which were his friends, to him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself to enter. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused. And the more part, not wherefore they were come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander beckoned with the hand and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried out, Great is Diana of the And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how the city of the Ephesians is a worship of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? Seeing then these things, again to be quiet <laughs> he didn't say it like that <laughs> i had to put a little kansas city emphasis on um, not to be quiet and do nothing rashly for if you are brought hither these men which are neither robbers of churches nor yet blasphemers of your goddess if demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him matter against any man the law is open and there are deputies let them implead one another but if you inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. I love that. We are in danger to be called into question for this day's uproar. There be no cause whereby we may give an account of this concord. When he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. And so this is a, a tight situation <laughs> that uh, Paul is going to find himself in. Again, uh, very difficult. We have a, a city, if you think about it now, I want y'all to think back. He's been here kind of a while, right? He's been ministering. He's had great success. Some key things that just kind of keep in your mind a little bit, like if you just go up at the top there at, uh, let's see, and the word of God prevail, where is that uh, verse? 20. This is after what had happened at that issue uh, with those guys that were trying to counterfeit the power that they saw Paul uh, um, showing with his uh, getting rid of those evil spirits. And we see that essentially there was a heart that's turning towards what the word is saying, how the word is taking effect in people's lives. But then we still come to a spot where now there is there's strife. And really, this individual is worried about, like, hey, man, you're taking money out of my pocket. I, I have issue with that. And he very craftily says something very interesting. I, I hope you pay attention to it. This really speaks of Greeks being able to um, articulate a thought. And he says, uh, moreover, you see here in verse 26 that not alone in Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul had persuaded and turned away much people, saying that, you know, with hands, so that not only this our craft is in danger, and this, you see how he throws the thing on the end. He sweetens the pot. Because at first, if it just comes off like, hey, you're taking money out of my pocket, some people might have just went, oh, I don't really care that much. But now he mentions 
this great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. That incensed the people. Now I have a problem with that. Because now you're talking about the God we worship, a goddess that we worship. And one of the things you may not know historically is at this point, this is a very true statement in terms of the effect and the, the scope by which Diana uh, had throughout Asia at this time, uh, he was right. It, things were turning towards the gospel. And so this was an offense. Yes, it was that this was gonna take money out of his pocket, but really there is an offense in his mind concerning just the worship of this Diana. Now, that doesn't mean that Paul would have to say anything ill against her. All he needs to do is present the gospel. So he added that little two cents on the end, of course, again, just to get the uproar to just be particularly uproarious, right? And so the thing that I kind of want to just really dive in on is uh, confusion. And in particular, are you confused that? How to avoid being confused? In my mind, there's no reason why this area should have any kind of confusion. The truth of the word of God has been declared. There are people that have received it. They have seen the power of it. What is the argument? Why is there confusion? It shouldn't be any. There should be agreement. We should be thanking Paul. Hey, thank you. How do we be a part? Man, disciple us. Tell us your truth. And we know that the church of Ephesus has a pretty mighty testimony. The book of Ephesians is an incredible book, but it's kind of a book that is written in a more generic term versus like a letter to. And so just understanding how that is, man, that is a glorious book with great truths that it declares. So what's the problem? And when I was thinking about this a little bit, I was thinking like, man, do believers today end up in places of confusion as if they don't know what the plan is? If they don't know what it is that I'm supposed to be doing, how I should feel about this, how I should receive this difficulty. Guys, I think very much it is something that we should be thinking about. And so our key points this morning are gonna be these. Am I being led to confusion? First one. Am I being led to confusion? The second one will be how to recognize confusion. Maybe you are beyond the point of being led, you're there already. And you maybe categorically say that you are. And the last one be how to define the fruit of confusion. Now, one thing to just keep in, in mind here, um, just in terms of a part of the context of William Nicol says in the Expositor's Bible, the worship of the goddess Artemis dominated the whole city of Ephesus and helped to shape the destinies of St. Paul at this season. For while intending to stay at Ephesus till Pentecost at the end of May, the annual celebration of Ar Artemisia feast happened 
of which celebration Demetrius took advantage to raise the disturbance was hastened St. Paul's departure into Macedonia. Okay, so you have to understand this is a city uh, that is celebrating a festival. Okay, does it make more sense why Demetrius is a, <laughs> a little hot about this? This is robbing from the potential glory that's gonna be due Diana, because now in part, here's this thing that he's hearing this murmur about. The interesting thing is, is what, what took place with those, um, those seven Jews, you know, and, the, and those guys end up being uh, overcome by the enemy in that situation is just what effect it had. So now I'm preparing for a festival and I'm just off the heels of, you just burn books and charms and other things that are associated and related to this festival. This is problematic. What if you get rid of the silver shrines that I've, I've made? Maybe they won't be purchased, right? So you can see he's motivated. <laughs> he's very motivated. And so if we just, let's look at this and let's just go verse by verse here till we get to where we're going to dial in at. One thing that you just, just biblically, you wanna keep in mind in verse 21, he kind of mentioned that again in uh, 1821 of Acts and in 1 Corinthians 1, 8. In 1821, it says, but bid them farewell saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem. You, if God will, and he sailed from Ephesus. So we know, remember, this is kind of that, uh, that trip back. And so now he's like in 1 Corinthians 1, 8, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. And then now he makes mention of this <laughs> situation, but just in passing. For a great door and effectual is open on me, and there are many adversaries. Okay, so now he's kind of just mentioning this moment. And the thing I think is interesting that you could make the case for, uh, you know, is if some would look at this and go, well, man, why are you even going back to Jerusalem in the first place? Like, you don't really need to keep the feast, Paul. Like, you, what's the big deal with that? And the funny thing is, is how the Lord just <laughs> disrupted the timeline. And so now things are kind of hastened where he needs to kind of get out of the area very quickly. We'll see that in, in Acts chapter 20. But something to just keep in mind is Lamentations 3.37, who says, who is he that saith and it cometh to pass when the Lord commanded it not? I think a lot of times this is just speaks to a thing about sometimes you can have plans and things you want to do and you say you're going to do. But listen, unless you get the Lord's okay, it ain't happening. And it surely ain't going to happen in the time frame in which you want. I don't particularly think in terms of keeping the feast, that's not necessarily going to be uh, uh, a black eye, but there, the Lord just has more important things for Paul to be focused on. And this being one of them and having to watch this situation play out again in verse 22, we notice something else just that we see around here. And we often say is that Timothy is growing. In verse 22, it says, so he sent unto Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. So take note of this. Paul is not afraid of handing over the ministry. Listen, parents, Serena and I were having a conversation this week about this, just in terms of a parent view and the hardship of letting go. A lot of us in here, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I have a lot of parents that are in transition mode. You are graduating kids from one grade to the next. Perhaps they are leaving your house or whatever. And the one thing that you absolutely want to do in order to handing over the ministry, so to speak, to them is adulthood. 
which means your parenting clamp has to kind of loosen at least. How do you give up responsibility? Disciples, same thing. Man, it's, it's something very comforting about I'm, I'm the leader, so you, you follow everything I tell you to do. It's kind of a nice space. Parenting, same thing. My mom still might try to tell me to put a jacket on. I'm like, lady, I have a mortgage and a wife. Please stop telling me when to put a jacket on. <laughs> but that's, that's how, right? That's how parenting is. And disciples can be the same way. Ministry leaders can be the same way. This is, this is a thing that we have to kind of learn. And just in a, in a little bit, I, again, I don't, this is not the primary focus, but I don't want you to miss it. He's not afraid to send Timothy and Erastus somewhere and say, hey, do this ministry work. I trust you. I have taught you what I need to teach you. Now go do it. And I don't have to micromanage you doing it. So parents that are in transition, having a hard time, you're trying to figure out your place. Listen, the place was this. You are teaching them to leave your house. Then you have to trust the Did you prepare them? Can they balance a checkbook? Nobody uses checkbooks, but digitally. <laughs> can they do that? Can they pay bills? Do they know where to go? Do they know that you can talk to bill people and they're kind of on you and you can call them and, hey, can you change my date when this is due? They will actually do that. Some of you probably don't know that is a, you can do that now. You can't do that. How did you prepare them to walk in the spirit? Do they understand what that's like? Do they know what the word of God says? Guys, we got to hand things over. This faith fellowship is ours, not mine. Serene came up with the name, but this is our fellowship. You have to see it that way. And I'm going to hand it over to you to allow you to have a chance at the beautiful fruit that comes with that and responsibility, right? So parents, be of good comfort. You have made an investment in your beautiful children of which you know I love all of our children that are represented in here because I'm praying for a godly generation. But listen, if you micromanage them, they're going to have a season of getting away from you because you are like a cloak that is heavy. They're gonna make mistakes. Disciples, they're gonna make mistakes. Ministry leaders, they're gonna, we've gotta be okay with the mistakes. You, nothing in this church is done perfectly and Sam is good with all of it because he knows God is moving us forward. Be encouraged. Don't let the enemy discourage you. Hand it over. Let them live, as the kids would say. Now, listen, this isn't done recklessly, but I want you to understand something. Praying, training, and opportunity is not a guarantee of perfect execution. Okay? You did all the, you got to let it happen. But it, listen, what does that do? It fosters maturation. You know the maturity level of your kids. You know the maturity level of the people we've invested in, in discipleship. Even when I think about the guys that are ministering in here, where they are. 
but I still got to let them grow. You got to let them grow. You got to let them grow. Sounds like you got to let them go. Just trying to help you out. <laughs> okay. All right. We didn't get, don't get stuck there. <laughs> Let's not get stuck there. Let's keep going. And then verse 23, in the same time, there arose no small stir about that way. Listen, just of note here, I just made a note to myself. Sometimes you get a break and sometimes you don't. Never forget the enemy's desire is to discourage and destroy you. Listen, your kids are in transition. You know, we just mentioned that, but guess what? Guess who else is? You are. Oh, wait a minute. You thought you were the dog. You got it all figured out. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you are in transition. I'm in transition. I'm getting older. I have older parents. For the older parents, you know what that means. I need to check in more. Because now I'm going to be probably raising <laughs> parents, right? That's transition. And the enemy wants to discourage me with that or destroy me with that. Make it my principal focus. You got to understand what's at stake. The thing is, sometimes we just get off our rocker a little bit because we forget everything the enemy is. I will use that as a chess piece to knock you off your platform. Everything. So no surprise. Yeah, you had great victory. And now guess what? Now you're going to have a whole city uproar after you. How you feel about that? Feel good? Praise the Lord come out of your mouth? For Paul, he might have just been quiet and internally, yes, absolutely praise the Lord because I understand what kind of idiot I was prior to even having the opportunity to suffer for Christ's sake, right? And keeping that in view is a big deal. Let's keep going. Verse 24, and then we get kind of somewhere here. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines, for Diana brought no small gain into the craftsmen whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation, says, sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, you see and hear that not alone in Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul had persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. You know, um, I kind of mentioned this. William Nakhaw says, Demetrius hints, therefore, at their own impoverishment as a result of Paul's teaching but expatiates on the certain destruction which awaits the glory of their time-honored and world-renowned deity if free course be no any longer permitted to such doctrine. He absolutely is kind of planned to that. And so he's, he's getting that intent of those people really enraged. And so then he just goes on to say, so that not only so, this is our craft and danger to be said and not, but also that the temple of the great goddess Dinah should be despised and her magnificence should be and when they heard these things, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion, having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, uh, also a part of Paul's team. As Paul's, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And again, as made by and so again, we're asking ourselves, how does this happen? And our first key point, am I being led to confusion? Here's this, get this down. When the word ceases to be my authority, then I am led to confusion. When the word ceases to be 
the authority. If you think about what had happened, and in particular, just Acts 19.9, when diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of Tyrannus. Man, the word had been given, but here's the deal. What happens with the word? Your heart can turn hard towards it. And you just, I don't believe this. I'm telling, listen, you are on a path to confusion. The minute that the word of God ceases to be the absolute authority. If you are going to use grandma's wisdom, and listen, y'all know I love my grandma, so I'm not, you know, but um, Jesus. And if she didn't tell me what Jesus thus saith the Lord, I could throw it out. You got to be willing to do that. You got to be willing to not have YouTube be your, your primary source of counsel. Because listen, it can be. YouTube can tell you about everything. And unfortunately, I know we make light of it a little bit, but I have to mention it because people are falling by the wayside to YouTube doctrine. It's evil and wicked, devilish. You have to keep a position that doesn't just deny the power that you see in the word of God being given and how it affects people's lives. That is an incredible thing to me, is when now your position in terms of throwing out the word of God as an authority in your life, you have to deny what God is doing in the lives of people around you. That's terrible. That's where these guys are, man. Who cares about Dinah? Toss that thing in the ocean. You know, the one thing interesting about their temples, it was one of the wonders of the world. And it had been burned, I think William Nicol had mentioned, five times. And each time, its splendor was um, built better. And so by the time that Paul saw it, it was magnificent. But it's not the word of God. Man, it's so amazing the temples that we make with our hands. And then somehow, it's like you don't even value it the same as the temple that the Lord says that you are. I mean, it's something to consider. John 17, 7 simply says this, sanctify through them, sanctify them through thy truth. Through thy truth, excuse me, thy word is truth. For, period. <laughs> I love that it just ends on period. Truth. Listen, this is what the word is. And we know we could find multiple verses that says everything else that it is. But here's the deal. In order for it to be an authority, it's got to be true. In order for it to be an authority, it has to be true. So listen, that's an easy throw out for you. Don't allow anything to be an authority in your life that's not true. And how you run that truth is through the word of God itself. Demetrius had witnessed truth taking place. Denied it. Problematic. Our second key point. 
how to recognize I'm confused. Listen, now I have thrown out the word as my absolute authority and guess what happens? I'm in the midst of my agenda becomes priority. My agenda becomes priority. You see there in Acts 19, 26, moreover, you see in here that not alone in Ephesus, but almost throughout Asia, Paul had persuaded and turned away much people saying that there be no gods which are made with. And so, man, listen, the one thing about that verse in particular that is just so telling is just like, I'm denying the power and now my sole focus is how does okay, this power that I saw, well, it really just looks like loss for me. Has anybody, okay, in here, don't raise your hand. Don't answer just internally. Has anybody ever looked at the ministry of God solely as loss to you? And just at points in your life, God is asking you to do something. God is asking you to, I don't know, give up a position, attend more faithfully, get disciple, join the church, take LFBI class, whatever, and you just look at it, Lord, that's a sacrifice of my time. And I don't want to do it. Now, listen, I'm, let me tell you this. Our God is not uh, so petty that that little problem you have causes him to trivel. It doesn't. But I'm telling you this. If that is the mainstay of your position, you confused. I'm just, I don't know how else to cut it. If that's the mainstay of your position, you confuse. You don't know, you don't, you can't discern truth from not truth. Because now the only thing you see out of God is loss. It's the main thing. If you think about it, Eve, that's, the Lord is holding something back from me. So now I got to go taste this thing. He said, don't, because you're going to be dead. Change the whole course of humanity. Thanks, mom. It's all good. If I'd have been, I would have done the same thing, especially if it was a pomegranate. <laughs> or seedless grapes. Mm, the best. Because <laughs> then you don't have to spit them out. <laughs> right? It, whatever the, the, the enemy could have put in front of you, right, to entice you, you would have bit down on it. He's not any more guilty than anybody else. But I think the thing that has to understand something is, listen, you were put here for a purpose, and that purpose must be ran through what the word of God says your life is about. Listen, I'm not, I, I'm not advocating for you to be more busy for the sake of busyness, but if you know that the Lord has been tapping on your heart about certain things that you need to do, whether that's attendance, LFBI, discipleship, COD, go on a missions trip, whatever, I'm, let me just tell you this, submit and do it. You will not, the minute, listen, anybody ever do that to the whole, you go to an event and when you show up, you're like, at first in the car, you had to sigh. You did the sigh that my man did today when he was doing the announcement. And you're just like, ah. but then you get in there, it's the most fun you've had all month, all year maybe. And you're like, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm an idiot. <laughs> That's absolutely how this works, man. Just do it. 
because I want to be able to say this at the end. Second Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. And listen, I have finished my course. There is a course that go, that belongs to you, but it's his agenda, but it's yours to do. And I can't do your course. I can only do mine. And then he finishes up with saying, I have kept the faith. Listen, I have to prioritize the Lord's agenda. This whole idea, man, with Diana and Demetrius, brother, let it go. Let it go. We don't want to be called in the same way he is with the foolishness of that. And then lastly, how do I define the fruit of confusion? So let's say I know I've gotten the word of God. I'm on that path. And then now my priorities have shifted and I have a priority that's really got myself as number one and what I want, my comfort, my success, right? And now what happens as a result of that? Because here's what we think. I can go ahead and do that kind of thing. And there's really, what's the big deal? Hurting anybody, right? Okay, let's see if this helps you out. How to define the fruit of confusion. Listen, very simply, strife. Strife in your life. Strife in your life. The whole idea that you see being set up for us is this anger, this incensement that comes as a result of what's taking place. And unfortunately, the Jews jump in on, on, on that. They have a common enemy. It's Paul. The Jews really aren't hung up on the whole idols thing. They have a different idol in their life. It's called their traditions. They're still guilty of that today. And so that's the whole thing. They wouldn't have been like a big advocate for that either. But they hate Paul because he's tearing down their institution. Right? And so you have to understand that whole, once, once you get, uh, let's go and look at it here where it says, and they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. It was like they made him a leader. Now, this same Alexander, when you do the scripture reference here, and it doesn't link it to it, so I'm not going to be what it was saying, say, Pop says uh, emphatically, but the, the scripture reference is this, just so you know which uh, Alexander we're talking about here. In 2 Timothy 4.14 and then Romans 2.22, oh, I'm sorry, just 2 Timothy 2.4.14 through 17 says this, Alexander the coppersmith be much evil. The Lord reward him according to whom be thou where for he hath greatly withstood our answer no man stood with me but all men forsook me i pray god that it may be laid to their not laid to their charge notwithstanding the lord and strengthen me that teaching might be fully known and that all the gentiles might hear and i was delivered out of the mouth of the lion okay so that is one of the scriptures that uh, if this is the actually the same alexander again i that's immediately who i thought think the Lord would give you his name if it wasn't. I just think he would have said a certain fellow, a certain Jew. It wouldn't have been important, but the Lord made it important so that you can go, wait a minute, isn't this Alice? Oh, <laughs> right? You just kind of connect the dots. And so here they are putting him forward. 
Alexander beckoning with the hand, and he was gonna try to make his defense unto the people, probably just to add more fuel to the fire, really. Because now, but here's the deal that, and this is kind of a weird thing that took place, but also something we've talked about before. And verse 34 says, but when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours, cried out, great is dying of Ephesians. The reason that's funny is because even though he was going to try to make it like, I'm with you guys. <laughs> they were like, no, you a Jew, the Christians, all this is stupid. So now we're just going to go into our chant and rant, right? And that's kind of, so they just, he didn't get a chance to say anything. And so that's kind of what you see there. But listen, let's get some wisdom just in terms of what it says about strife. Forgive me here. I need to, I've been scrolling back and forth. I lost my place. Okay. Proverbs 17, 14, y'all. Strife is as when one letteth out water, there leave off contention before it be meddled with. Lord, the beginning is as when one letteth out water. You know what happens when you spill water? It goes everywhere. It goes everywhere. Listen, there are a number of things, obviously, you could pick that would be the fruit of confusion. But one of the primary things which is you, just the disagreement that you have with leadership or the church or this brother or sister, you can't even feel the phone call. You will just ignore it. That's confusion. If I'm not willing to make that right, for what, listen, I always have to keep in my mind the precious blood that the Lord shed in order for you to be a part of this family. So the minute that now I cannot fix my lips to greet you, apologize, something, I don't know, just make it right between us. That's a problem. So what does that mean? It's the first thing. I lost the word of God. It's not the authority. You see what I'm saying? It's a cycle, man. This thing is a cycle. And then again, my agenda, because my feelings now outweigh whatever it is that God says unity should look like. Strife. Proverbs 28, 25, he that is of a proud heart. Okay, see, we could just stop right there. This ain't going to end well, <laughs> right? If the minute you mention that, it ain't going to end well. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. And it goes on. But he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. You know what that kind of tells you? about strife is that it's um, you are like malnourished. Because he's used that reference on the end. He that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. But listen, when you have a proud heart and you got strife, you're malnourished. You lack. It's evident. Your, your ribs are showing. Man, these guys are showing themselves. And man, it hadn't been for this peaceful town clerk that comes in and really just brings these guys down. You say, hey man, what are y'all doing? What are we doing? It must be important to know that obviously Paul has friends at high places, but more important than that is just, again, the Lord's furtherance of the gospel. 
and the Lord's protection and provision, which is why, if you think about it, Paul kind of seems like a background character in this narrative, right? He doesn't really seem like he's out front. What the Lord is really hiding for you is what confusion looks like and the things that we kind of pointed out. But Paul, you're like, uh, where's, what happened to Paul? Now, nah, man, I, I don't want to, okay, let me just give you the trailer for the next time we get together. Verse one of Acts chapter 20. <clears throat> this is after our peaceful town clerk. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples, embraced them, and then adios. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I love that. I love it's super simple. There ain't all this whole big ordeal. And listen, that's just like when you don't try to match strife with strife, the Lord just says, hey, I got you. Just stay right here. I got you. But what we want to do is we want to let everybody know. Yeah, you thought I was something to play with. I ain't no plaything. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> and, you know, and now you're making threatenings and you fantasized about it when you was brushing. And when I and I'm going to tell them, you know, <laughs> the Lord's like, shut up. Just be quiet. I'm always thankful to the Lord that when I do that, because I'm that kind of person, when I do that and I'm having that, boy, they're going to learn today kind of conversation with the toothbrush. I get in the car and then the Holy Spirit says, son, let's talk. And I get to work and I say nothing. And then there's peace. I've had people apologize to me for issues. I've had people come up to me and just, hey, man, like, Hey, I just want it to be good between us. And I, I'm dumbfounded in silence. I can't even respond. And so, man, I'm telling you, do not meet strife with strife. Do not do it. And so, listen, as we close, we saw what the peaceful town clerk did. It's not something we want to just skip over. But for the sake of time, the, the question is this. Are you confused this morning? Has the work? God lost its place of absolute authority in your life? Your agenda become central focus for you? And are you at strife with any of your brothers and sisters? If so, I think today would be an opportunity for you to make that right today. You know, man, it's worth being right with God today. So make it right. Don't, don't delay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, <clears throat> and just for uh, just the simple truth of not being confused. Lord, I, you've done so much to make sure that we're not confused, that we know how you feel about us. We know what the plan is. We know what we have to look forward to. We know even as the signals and signs of how this world is kind of just, things are changing, things are unsettled. Lord, more peace, because it's like, well, you're going to show up at any moment so much just for who you are the character the person that you are your love for us your patience with us lord would you be merciful to us um lord oftentimes um, all of these things we're guilty of at some point on some level and so lord this nobody should feel con uh condemnation but really we should just consider where we're at and father would you just grab our hand, get us close to you so that we can hear from you what our next step should be.
Jesus' name we pray. Amen.